Let me set this up for you. I think Ontario politics have always been fascinating. I think a lot of people move from party to party. I, I, I know we're, you know, we're very tribal with politics right now. I know we feel divided. I'm not so sure we are. And when I say that, understand that Ontario voters just move around a lot. I mean, there's been a ton of movement. There were four straight party flips from 1987 through 1999. David Peterson to Bob Ray to Mike Harris to Dalton McGuinty. So we switched. They're always all majority governments as well. Now, that's how we do first past the post right now. But this story over the weekend, which had the um, a lot of veteran liberals, none, none really of whom are impacting politics right now. And they write a letter basically pleading with Green Party leader Mike Schreiner to run for the leadership contest. Um, I, I, I heard instantly about it, and I kind of cringed. I can already see Doug Ford and what he would say in 2026. This is how desperate the liberals are, folks. They had to ask this guy. You can see this happening. You're Like, you're walking into a trap. Nothing would make Doug Ford happier. And look, there's people that voted for Doug Ford last time out that at some point, at some point, voted for Dalton McGuinty. Or they voted for Kathleen Wynne. And those people voted for Ernie Eves before that or Mike Harris before that. So there's always movement and there's always um, shifting shiftings in the sand. I just I think the letter just just like it is not the best thing for never mind for party unity. But it doesn't document um, that the last election was an absolute failure for the Ontario liberals. And, and they need to sort of look at this and go, why do we get hammered and what steps do we take to make sure we don't hammer it again? And this is not one of them. That's how I view it anyway. Nathaniel Erskine-Smith is a federal liberal MP for Beaches East York, and it's no secret, is considering a run um, for the Ontario liberal leadership. So you get wind of this letter. First impact. What was your initial initial thought and reaction to it? My initial reaction was much like yours. I mean, it's well-meaning and also unhelpful. And bizarre because Schreiner, who is an excellent MPP, he has already said no. And so what is it we want to get out of a letter like this? It, there's, a, there's no shortcut to rebuilding the Ontario Liberal Party. This felt a lot like a Hail Mary. And we have to actually put the hard work in of re- renewing and reengaging with our grassroots. And I don't want to be entirely dismissive of the contents of the letter Wholesale, the letter called for purpose and principle in our politics, working across party lines, doing politics differently. I agree with all of that. Mm-hmm. I just happen to think there are many liberals in the province of Ontario who can deliver on on those same ideas. I just worry there's there's an element of, of defeatism to it. Um, you're one of four names that constantly gets brought up. And I look at the portfolios and I think, well, shouldn't the least we do is listen to the ideas. And there's four of you that seem to want this. It was documented. There was only one person from the NDP that wanted it in, in Marit Stiles. Now, she may turn out to be a great leader, but nobody was willing to put their name for and money and time and activism and, and go against her. Like, you've got people that want this job, Nate. You may very well be one of them. And Mike Schreiner, as I say, is excellent in many ways from everything I hear from my, my local MPP, Mary Margaret McMahon. But he doesn't want the job. And, and integrity does matter in our politics. Being a credible, authentic voice does matter in our politics. And the most bizarre element to the letter for me was to say, we like Shriner's integrity. And so we're asking him to abandon some of that integrity in in ditching the Greens for the, for the Liberal Party. And, and you're right, there are 
four of us who have expressed an interest in, in exploring and, and putting teams together for potential bids for the Ontario Liberal Party leadership. And each one brings their own seriousness to, to the role. And at the end of the day, it's going to take a lot of hard work. And, that, and that's what I think people don't appreciate. There is no shortcut here. We've got to mm-hmm. travel the province. We've got to engage local grassroots. We've got to bring new people into the party, bring a sense of generational change to the party, and and deliver serious leadership. And pleading for someone who is already representing a different party to cross the aisle and and and, and in a very gimmicky way take things over. It's it's no substitute for that hard work. And there's always ebb and flow with parties and and policy. I mean, you're seeing this at at the federal level. The idea, you know, Justin Trudeau gets elected in 2015. The liberals don't have all the same platforms. They don't have all the same policies. There's tweaks. Sometimes there's even a complete 180. They're like, we tried this. It didn't work. Let's go with another plan. That's that's not even what the letter suggests. This just seems like it's uh, it undermines the process of 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 starting fresh and figuring out what's going to work and what's not right and starting fresh is important and and my argument would be change also very much has to come from within and if we want to be serious and sustainable we have we have to put that hard work in and look many of the values that the letter articulate as i say working across party lines i've done it it works it's incredibly important i don't think many people to your point across this province are overly partisan that they haven't voted for at least two parties over the over their lifetime I, I think people do want to see politics done differently and, and not having every person recite the same talking points and, and give the same canned speeches again and again and again in a really, in a really tiresome and inauthentic way. And we can bring a sense of integrity, whether one is a Green Party member, an NDP party member, or a, a Liberal member, one can bring a sense of integrity. It depends on, upon that, that person and that leader. And so I think, you know, I for myself, that that's what this is about. It's about rebuilding the Liberal Party in a serious way with hard work on the ground and bringing that sense of integrity. And, and there will be differences between the parties, but I, but I think you're right. We've got to inspire people to come back to the Liberal Party in, in a much more grassroots way. And, and my mom sometimes votes Liberal, sometimes votes NDP. We've got to convince her to vote. We've got to convince, she's voted Liberal, I'm pretty sure, since 2015, but, but we've got to convince her to vote Liberal. I, I met with a counselor, Jim Harris, in Barrie, Recently, I have no idea what his politics are. He, I'm, I'm sure he votes sometimes liberal, sometimes votes conservative. We need Jim to, to see himself in the Liberal Party if we're going to be successful. And, and there's no substitute, as I say, for that kind of hard work. You and I have had this conversation on the air before. Um, there were people that voted and have told you and told me, I couldn't picture voting for Doug Ford last June, but I'm going to vote for him because it was about maybe it was about COVID restrictions. Maybe it was about kids not wearing masks in schools. I mean, listen, I know these are polarizing topics, but everybody, every one of these people gets a vote. And they sure, you know, the, the, the numbers spoke for themselves last June about what people wanted. They didn't want the other two parties. Right. And we got to give people a reason to vote liberal. I, I think that's an excellent way of putting it. There, mm-hmm. there was also a, a moment in time in this past election where people perceived both the liberal party and the NDP as not Doug Ford parties. And telling people the choice is yours without giving them a positive reason to vote for us in a serious way isn't going to work. And, and so part of the message has to be delivering competence, compassion and integrity in our politics. We can talk about specific policy ideas as well. We have to address the generational challenge of housing. 
We have to address the completely incompetently managed healthcare system as it is. And there are so many big picture issues that need to be highlighted. The letter highlighted climate action, for example, uh, as well. And, and, and there are so many as we run down these, these policy issues. But at its core, what do we want out of leadership? I think we want a smart, fair, honest government. We want that sense of seriousness and confidence, that sense of compassion, and that sense of integrity and honesty. Nathaniel Erskine Smith, our guest on Toronto Today. He's Liberal MP for Beaches East York. I want to get to this. Um, you were front and center with the Rogers Shaw merger last week, and I want to get to that. But Parliament does reopen today, and um, people are thinking it's it's very important. Um, obviously, there's going to be attacks from Pierre Polyev. There's going to be uh, a war of words between the prime minister and him. But there also has to be policy ideas. You have to make the public, you have to make the public, the Liberal Party does, um, recognize the issues people are facing. And and you mentioned some of it. It's economic insecurity. It's the grocery store prices. It's being able to buy a house. It's it's the interest rates. It's There's a lot economically on, 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 not on the ballot, but certainly in the spotlight over the next year for the Liberal Party. It is going to be a delicate balance for the finance minister and our government as we face difficult economic times, high cost of living, and ensuring that we're able to address the challenges for those in need in middle-class Canadians and, and certainly working-class Canadians and those struggling even before the pandemic, that we address those challenges while also not exacerbating the balance sheet such that the Bank of Canada feels they need to be even more aggressive, despite the fact they've already been, I would argue, overly aggressive in tackling inflation today, given their one tool, the hammer that they keep using, isn't entirely fit for purpose for the kind of inflation that we're facing. And so just to use one example, when we see a rapid and aggressive increase in interest rates, I've certainly heard from a number of homeowners who are now really struggling under the weight, because the, a majority of Canadians in recent years have been taking out variable rates, I've heard directly from people who are struggling to maintain their mortgage payments already and and they're past the stress test that the bank imposed. That's a real challenge. And we've got to confront that as a government. Do we want people to lose their homes? Obviously, we do not. And so how are we going to address the difficult economic times ahead while also not putting additional stress on on the government's balance sheet? Nathaniel Erskine-Smith, our guest. Um, You were front and center last week uh, chatting with – you know, the uh, Rogers and Shaw executives about this mega merger that's going to happen between Rogers and Shaw. There's still one last hurdle, but the CEOs seem really confident. W- what were the big answers you wanted to your questions last week when you talked to Tony Staffieri for Rogers, for example? Yeah, it's funny that, that Rogers CEO has now attended twice, and I don't think I've ever received more correspondence from people who don't otherwise follow politics, people I went to high school with, and and do I play baseball with growing up? Then when Roger CEO attends and, and we have a six minute line, you know, line of questioning back and forth, <laughs> it brings up the litigator in me and the, and the cross examiner in me. But I, I would say they're very confident. They were very confident heading in that the, that the deal was going to go through. And the real question that the minister has to face now is what is best for competition in this country? Because the competition tribunal and the federal court weighed in, but they were facing a threshold, a very different threshold. They were they were finding on a threshold of would this substantially lessen competition, and and the answer is no. As soon as they spin off Freedom to Videotron, the answer is no. It would not substantially lessen competition. But that's a different question from the one the government should be answering, which is what is best for competition, what is best for consumers, what is best for competition. 
We got about a, a minute left. I mean, when when we look at this, were the, were the biggest issues the the competition from a media lens, or were the biggest issues just simply what what people pay for their cell phones uh, and and the data and the long distance and the all the extras? What was it when you got the, that correspondence? Was it more about their bills, or was it about the the sort of conglomeration, less voices, less independence in journalism per se? Pocketbooks, pocketbooks. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we were faced with incredibly wealthy witnesses before us, the CEO of Rogers, those in Renning Shaw and, and Videotron, and they're wealthy because of disproportionate prices that we're all paying for an essential service. And we pay some of, if not the highest prices for wireless and internet services than any other country around the world. Mm-hmm. And that's unacceptable. And we need more competition. And when people look at a deal like this, they see Rogers, Shaw, and Videotron telling them yet again, this is going to be pro-competitive. This is going to reduce prices. We've seen it before. We've heard it before. Mm. It's never come about. It's never come to fruition. And we, we need governments to step in and deliver affordability. It's pretty important stuff. Uh, Nathaniel Erskine-Smith, thanks for the time. Listen, if you become Ontario Liberal leader and your mom goes on record and says she voted NDP, we got to lead with that story. We just do. That's 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 news for everybody. That'll be on Entertainment Tonight Canada if that happens. Your mom, then I probably shouldn't be in this. <laughs> Your mom will go viral even when that happens. Uh, thanks for the time. Uh, and I know important week in Parliament. Thanks for uh, spending some of it with us. Yeah, thanks, Greg. Nathaniel Erskine-Smith, our guest.